0: You put yourself in different circles, you know, people who wanting to achieve in life, if you put yourself around those kind of people, then you're gonna achieve something. If you stay around with people who are just happy to, you know, go day in, day out doing the same thing, you're never gonna grow. So you gotta find those people or mentors that, you know, are next level to what you want. Hey,
1: what's up sharp family? This is the Look Sharp Podcast with Vita, Fale and Moss. I am so excited for you guys to hear our next guest. Let me introduce to you Adam Mancy. He is a world-class athlete that has competed in the recent CrossFit Games and placed seventh in the world with his team. He is a devoted father, husband and a businessman that grew up with his fair share of trials and through it all was able to find the strength to pull through, marry the love of his life, have a relationship with God and with his wife and business partners, own two CrossFit gyms a clothing label their own podcast and in the working stages of a drink to run alongside their clothing label whether you're driving working out or chilling out remember to kick back stay ready look sharp enjoy the show do you want us to give us a little bit of a, a recap of you and your younger years where'd you grow up uh, the size of your family nationality and so forth
0: pretty much lived in around the Ipswich like Redbank Plains area just only for a few years, just as a young kid. I was born in Brisbane um, and then lived there pretty much for 19 years of my life. Um, single mum, had a father but left, one not be around when I was about three or four. Uh, so pretty much grew up, grew up with just um, my mother and she had six kids. So I'm in the middle, um, I have two younger sisters, and then I have two older brothers and an older sister. Um, And the older ones, so we have two separate dads, but they were brothers. So I don't know the full story on how that went, but uh, divorced one, married another, had more kids. So somewhere along that lines, I didn't really get the full scoop of it. Um, But then in the end had no one, it was just my mom. So uh, from there, we kind of, my mom took us out of that Ipswich area when we were younger and then we moved into the Logan area. And then pretty much majority of my life was around the Caribbean, Sunnybank, Woodridge kind of area. Um, went to Sunnybank High School uh, in my last couple of years. Started off with a few other ones before that and then finished in, at Sunnybank. Um, and then when I was 19, met my wife in a club and moved to the Gold Coast.
1: Yeah, and um, I guess that's where, where I met you. So um, for those uh, listening in, Um, I met um, Adam when he was fairly young and he was chiseled back then and he's still pretty chiseled now and uh, (laughs) um, yeah well he was wasn't very talkative but you know he's doing some really big things now and that's I guess the reason why we're here today and uh, I guess learning about his story so um, you know for yourself growing up you talked about um being raised by your mum um i'm assuming money was pretty tight and you had to to learn how to budget and you probably got a few hand-me-downs from the the older ones
0: yeah definitely well my my older sibling's kind of left home um pretty early because the next one after me i think she's um she would be close probably like 3 or 4 years older so yeah. by the time i was like 14 or 15 most of the older ones were out of the out of the house and I was um, pretty much yeah the oldest in the house, um, but yeah definitely money was tight. Um, my mother my mother went through a lot of um, trials, as you can call it, uh, through life, just from previous stuff that had happened to her, you know, when she was a kid with her mother and her father. So she had you know major depression, um, really bad mental health issues, in and out of like mental homes. Um, that sort of thing so we kind of got to we experienced a little bit of that for a few years um, where it was pretty pretty hard as, as younger kids but um, yeah she kind of came through it a little bit stronger and you know she, now she's just slowly ticking on. Um, awesome and for you did that build I guess a bit
1: of resilience or a bit of life learning so that you could I guess have some life learnings yourself?
0: definitely it, it taught me to be independent so sometimes when you don't have anyone there that you can rely on to give you advice or give you some knowledge on something you kind of got to search and you're going to find it through others or you just find it yourself so through those trials you kind of figure things out and you're like all right i don't want to live like this forever you're going to get older so start learning to do things yourself you know so like cooking as a young age you know you don't like to cook but you try and learn those skills that are going to help you in life. Catching the train, catching the bus, trying not to rely on anybody else uh, because when you don't really have anybody else, you kind of figure it out. You know, you walk to the train, you walk to the bus, um, you try and sort out what you're going to do during the week, how you're going to get to sport, and you try and arrange lifts, all that sort of thing. So it definitely teaches you more independence.
1: Yeah, and it's those life experiences... Um... I guess has helped you and hopefully we'll talk about that a little bit later on how that's translated onto mm. um, you know, your later focuses. Uh, but before you met uh, your lovely wife now, um, I know you had a big interest
0: in football. Were you playing football before you met her or while you met her? Yes, yeah, so I was playing football since I was five. Um, so rugby league was my sport. I was pretty much right from the get go, you know, the NRL dream was, was what I wanted. I didn't go to school to be smart. I only went to school to play footy <laughs> and get better. What
2: position were you at in?
0: So I was second row and then sort of finished Aye off yo. finished off in front row.
2: Hey.
0: Just in the back row. Yeah, well, like,
2: just just around the, the Brisbane area of like of course, like myself. Vita, uh, Fale, we're, we're from Sydney, so what was it like around the Ipswich, Logan area, playing league, was it uh, massive? Every kid was had a footy kind of thing, or what was it like?
0: Yeah, it was pretty massive, like juniors, you would have you know five to six teams in the same age group at the same club, so there Shucks, was lots yeah. of kids, and then obviously big Polynesian area as well, so yeah. you know, massive playing against, when you're 10, playing against people who look like they're 20.
2: But <laughs> wow, they were shaving before the game as well, right? They their beads in there, right?
0: <laughs> so, you know, it was a good experience because I pretty much grew up with all Polynesians my whole life. Um, yeah. So, all, all uh, my friends at school, footy friends were all Samoan or Tongan. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, didn't really have Australian friends. The other side of it, I grew up with a lot of Asians as well. Um, just the multi Sunnybank was kind of a multicultural area um, and that's just sort of where I fell into and you know my best my best mates were all Polynesian and I built I found that culture because my family didn't really have a culture I kind of got to experience their culture and how you know they treat people and how um, they care for everybody and they're nice to everybody so I got to learn like a lot of respect um, from growing up with those kind of guys.
1: And you would have had to uh have a pretty thick skin because they're, cause they're good pretty at good at mocking, at mocking you all. as well
0: yeah <laughs> definitely and because you know you're like you're probably like the only white australian there uh, amongst yeah. everybody it's you know you're the first one to get mocked every time but i had a i had a bit of a a bit of a size advantage on them too because you know i was a addic- i was addicted to like weights you know that yeah, was my gotcha. thing yeah. and they were addicted to eating so <laughs> you know, i had to I, I would always be working out and they would always be eating but then, you know, the size difference, we were still, you know, on the same page as everybody.
1: Yeah, and uh, uh, one of my um, one of my favorite um, quotes that I hear from CrossFit is, hard work pays off, you know what I mean? And, man, when I was a, a 12-year-old, I was the size of the 16-year-olds, and I was, you know, I was a battering ram. But, you know, I was the one that, you know, didn't like training, but I just showed up to the games. And you saw, as you got as I got older, the ones that actually started training and working hard they're the ones that actually made it through the ranks as well. So exactly, yeah, one hundred percent. Did you have any, um, any, you know, any big names that you you played with that actually cracked it to the NRL and started playing?
0: Yeah, so I was in like the freak era of um, playing against. Yeah. owls was just like next level um, going through school. So we were pretty much like Hebra Park. You used to have like Bear, uh, Benji Marshalls there. I uh, oh, yeah. um Greg Eastwood was there, his brother was oh, there, oh, Shane yeah. Eastwood. Yeah. And then, you know, um Greg Inglis came into Wavell High School. So oh, anyone else. When <laughs> he came there, then you had Adam Blair, um Sam Tangatayese Tug- was there. Yeah, true. Um Junior true. Sal was there. So ours was um yeah, it was pretty uh, it was a pretty freak era when we had all those massive names in there. But back then they were they were still good. They were really good, but they weren't obviously those names you thought you never know who's going to crack it. Um, um, and now they're like superstars of the game, so it was pretty a good experience. Yeah, and
1: I know you you have fond memories of your your football career. Um, but for yourself, I guess you got to a point, um, and then you you looked at I guess a, a bit of a change. Uh, when we talk into crossfit was crossfit something that you just tried out or how did that get introduced to you um you know after your your football career
0: yeah so training i pretty much just did i loved training and then footy i had too many injuries in the end there so it it wasn't really making me money and i had a family so it was like all right go away and you know if i spend two nights a week out training it's not really making me money or i'm not spending time with my family so i you know, around twenty four. I said, you know, that's it. Um, let's just go and work, and let's just hang out with the family. But I always kept training, so gym was my thing ever since I was young. Um, and then uh, one of my wife's cousins sort of said, "Oh, there's, a new, there's this new gym down the road. Let's go and have a try." So I was pretty much doing CrossFit in my backyard in my garage, but never really went to a CrossFit gym. So then when I when I turned up there, it was kind of like. I wasn't very good at it. I was strong, but I didn't know the techniques because I was just trying to learn off YouTube. And yeah. then, yeah, she's the lady who was coaching there just opened and she, yeah, she really guided me through um, my journey and pretty much gave me all the skills I needed to be able to compete or taught me the movements. And then she taught me how to teach and taught me how to coach. Um, and she taught me some real good lessons yeah on where I wanted to be and you know how to be the best that you can be yeah that's awesome you know CrossFit is
1: uh, I think it's a bit misunderstood uh, by a lot of people Um, and I guess for the for the average punter uh, how would you define or how would you describe CrossFit to somebody that has never heard of it or they've heard of it but they don't understand it
0: it's pretty much just gym training mixed into like fast exercising So every kind of sport you can think of, so Olympic weightlifting, gymnastics, um, endurance, um, powerlifting, they're all just put into all these different workouts and you need to be good or great at all of them to be able to be successful. So it's kind of like the ultimate, what do we call it? So we call us, when you obviously win the CrossFit Games, you call yourself the fittest on earth. Meaning, you know, you have more... If you wanted to, you could go run a marathon in a good time. Uh, if you wanted to, you could go swim a few Ks in a good time. Um, if you wanted to go into Olympic weightlifting and do that as a professional sport, you should be able to go into that. So where they have like a, like an ultra marathon runner, where they're only good at that one thing, this sport that was created CrossFit was to be good at everything. And so you can call yourself the fittest on earth.
3: Wow and um just oh hi i'm sorry i'm sorry for being a blues um but um no thank you for <laughs> <laughs> joining us today um yeah kids and everything won't explain um but no so the first thing that i heard from crossfit so vita had a very close friend that actually had a gym um down at parramatta um and so the very first introduction i had with crossfit was my brother coming to me in the morning saying i had to sign a war because i spewed up that day and i was like <laughs> what do you mean and so like <laughs> i like, Apparently, like they work you so hard that you have to like you know, and you have to sign things off. Um, I wish I had that explanation to me rather than my brother saying that I spewed up the first day. So <laughs> you know, that, I think that makes more sense in what CrossFit actually is, um, and you know the whole methodology of you know actually being out there and being fit. Um, because I think it's 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 also another big thing for us Polynesians um, to kind of think that you know our talent will take us all of the way. Um, where when I looked at your, um, your Instagram, and thank you for following us, um, and I just had a look at your, your Instagram, it really shows um, the realness in, in CrossFit rather than, you know, yeah. all these big graphics or anything. It's like, and even your podcast, you're like, you're talking about real things yeah. um, rather than oh, I've and you're quite humble to say that because you came seventh in the, you know, in, in that competition, it's a massive competition, but you don't like use it as a as a big kind of thing to say so so no thank you i think that's a you know a better caption than my brother spewing up in the morning <laughs> <laughs> most people
0: for the first time because depending on where you go and what gym you'll go to you'll generally spew up that first time because it's uh, it's just a different it's a, dif- it's a different feeling if you're just pumping yeah, weights yeah. all the time
1: yeah and w- one thing that i loved about crossfit was when i actually did it uh we spent half the time learning technique so it wasn't just about, you know, go out and smash the person and, you know, um, try and make them spew up. We spent, you know, a good half an hour on lifting, you know, and just learning the right technique. And the actual wad that we had was, you know, a 20 minute, half an hour wad. you know what I mean? So there is a big emphasis on, you know, what we're going to train hard, but you need to make sure you do it right as well.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's all about movement. So to you need to be able to move well during life to be able to feel good. So crossfit is then brought around that because you can do so much in training it's to help you better in the outside world so as you get older they use like a the scenario of you know if an old lady needs to be able to carry her groceries she needs to do some form of weight training and then she needs to carry that she needs to carry that upstairs or she needs to carry it 500 meters you know to, to the car so mm-hmm. crossfit teaches you or all the areas of your body to be strong so you can do those things as you get older. Yeah, 100%. Um, I want to talk about
1: mentors. Um, you know, for you, I know you've got um, a few mentors that have helped you throughout your life. Um, the, the first mentor I want you to, um, I guess, tell us about is Taryn. So um, the lady that helped you with CrossFit. Um, and then the other one, uh, I guess, was John Buchanan. Uh, just uh, I guess the role um, in your life but also uh, I want the listeners to know the importance of having a mentor and how much a mentor can boost um, whatever it is that you're trying to do
0: yeah so I'll start with John Buchanan because he yep. was my footy coach and he pretty much coached me from when I was like under 11s or 12s all the way up until like 20s um, and he wasn't more he was a mentor but he was more as like a friend or I could look up to him as like a father figure Whereas you know he had belief in me at those ages that you know I could take it to the next level, and he believed in the skills and the effort um, that I was showing, and also someone there just to rely on. So when my mom wasn't be couldn't take me to certain trainings or couldn't take me to the game, you know he would be the one to step in and say because he was the coach as well. He wanted us to play. He would come and pick us up. Um, but it wasn't just me. He would have four or five other people. <coughs> in his car as well, um, just to get them to the game. And then, you know, he will take you back to his house, he would feed you, he would ask, you know, do anything for you that you, that you would need. Um, and yeah, he, he kind of set you on the path of, you know, do you want to succeed at 40? Do you want to do this, do you want to do that? And it was kind of just a good, like, uh, what would you call it, a good, um, yeah, a mentor in the fact that he believed in you and he wanted you to succeed.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And you need those people, right? That, you know, that believe in you and that are able to encourage you to keep going. Because uh, if you don't have enough of them, that's, I guess, where people fall over as well.
0: Exactly, you put yourself in different circles. You know, people who wanting to achieve in life, if you put yourself around those kind of people, then you're gonna achieve something. If you stay around with people who are just happy to, you know, go day in, day out doing the same thing, you're never gonna grow, so you got to find those people or mentors that, you know, are next level to what you want. Yeah, awesome. And
2: hey, Tar- so, John.
1: Doctor.
2: So, just, just with yourself, so having John in your life, you know, it would have helped heaps, right? But what kind of, you know, what kind of uh, kid were you leading from, you know, primary school into, into teenage years? Um, you know, were you sort of a knockabout kind of guy? Were you out late? Um, you know, what kind of kid were you? So, go
0: on, like, like younger years I was kind of quiet like I never would I wouldn't stay over at anybody's house I would always stay at home I wouldn't have friends come yeah. over and yeah. I would just stick to myself and then I would I would love to run so pretty yeah. much I would I would just think about training all the time like training was my thing um, yeah. 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 I would wake up as a 10 year old like 5am in the morning before school and i just run around my like 1k block and what I would the heck? I would like do that I would do that every day and it was just purely because I felt driven to play footy. Yeah. So yeah. I knew if I was fit, then yeah. I would do well. Um, and then from there, as I got into like the teenage years, I was real. I was real aggressive, like a, a pretty yeah, less, yeah, like a you. real angry kind of kid. Um, yeah. Had a short wick, and would just sort of go off the rails. And didn't matter who it was, um, I could like I, I could go off the rails. Maybe majority like in my house. Um, outside of my house, I was a little bit more quieter around people, but then kind of inside you just get, I don't know, just different things when you, with your family as you grow up and then single parent, you know, you're kind of looking, I think you're kind of looking for, for a lot of support, um, but you know, it's not there and you kind of get frustrated and siblings kind of trying to do their own thing. And, and then as I got to, you know, 17, 18, that's where I was kind of like, I would go, I would try and be more independent, so I would go out, all hours of the night, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, um, yeah. would drink a lot as well, um, and then, pretty much for that whole year of my, like 18th year, oh every night, it would have been like Wednesday, um, there would be something on down at, this club called Fitzy's, um, yeah. and then I would be, <laughs> and then Friday night would be out, and then Saturday, it was just a constant thing, so, that kind of affected my sport as well. Uh, yeah. And then I, uh, I enjoyed thinking about what was going to happen after the game, where we're going to go to then being in the yeah. game and playing.
2: Mm. <laughs> 100%. yeah. So, like, during, a, during that time, did you have – so it was John? Was he the one that would, hey, Adam, come on, mate, you know, pull your head in and stuff like that? Or um, was, was there other people around that time as well?
0: Uh, there wasn't really anybody else it was kind of I had to make the decision that side of things um, myself if I really wanted to to keep going um, luckily I found my wife at 19 and it kind yeah, of gotcha. it just it flicked a switch and everything sort of changed I had a new life a new new leaf on life like everything just opened up and it was um, yeah pretty amazing experience from 19 to now
1: Awesome. And do you want to, I guess, talk about, I guess, the effect and the, the change in your life after meeting your wife and um, your faith and how has it affected your
0: life moving forward? Yeah, so uh, faith is a huge part now. Um, previous before that, this, this is why I can never sort of doubt. Like when I was at 19, when I got, I got baptized into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and um, pretty much from... Before I had met my wife, all of all of a sudden, in that those, those hard times when you know you're going out all the time, you don't know what to do in life, you don't know where you're gonna go, what's the next step, you know, I'm I'm packing meat, and that's my job. Like, what's gonna happen to yeah. what's gonna, what's next for me? Like, you you just can't see a path when you don't have anyone else there to sort of put you in that right direction, and um, I pretty much would just say I would pray. Not knowing how to pray, um, but I would just say prayers to be like, "You know what's next for me? I, I need something better, I want to be better. Um, can you place these people in my life and then all of a sudden, first down first time I went down um, down the gold Coast, and that first night I was in that nightclub um, from that day on, I met my I met my future wife there, and um, it took a couple of months to sort of get back in contact and then yeah, it, sort of, it just started from there. By eight months, we were married. Yeah, well. So from that period, I didn't get baptized into the church straight away. I learned about it. I um, understood it. I wanted to know wh- if that was for me. Um, but I had all these wonderful feelings and understood that these were the signs that I was needing to be able to progress in life. And without that, if I didn't meet my wife then, I would still really determine to do something with my life, but I don't think I would be at the stage where I am now if I didn't have that part in my life that changed it completely.
1: Yeah, and it, it works so perfectly because, you know, your wife is one, supportive, but also um, their family kind of gets um, hard work, um, but also they're a big uh, in the football
0: community as well, yeah, with their family? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it all, it all kind of was, it, it fit, it, everything um, was fitting into the right spot. You know, they yeah, all loved yeah. to train. None of them drank alcohol. None of them went out to nightclubs. A um, couple of them were on their missions. And it was, for me, it was the family aspect that I had missed because, you know, being a single parent and then going into this family when they had a, you know, a mother and a father and then they both sort of ran the household they kind of didn't they weren't independent the children weren't independent they listened to their parents the parents guided them it was this completely new thing for me and i was like it it was really it was really it was what was it it was it was really touching to be able to be a part of that and i felt myself like really lucky to be in that situation um and then kind of just grew from there and everything sort of started to take off in the right direction.
1: Yeah. If, if I can describe, you know, being a missionary and, um, you know, going, um, to your wife's family and also, you know, meeting yourself, I would describe it as orderly chaos. Yep. Like, like chaos. There's, there's kids running, running around everywhere. But as soon as, you know, the mom or the dad would speak, you know, they'd stop and listen, uh, you know, and, um, <laughs> yeah the, the boys they trained hard um and even your father-in-law he's a he's a machine himself and some of the boys cracked you know nrl and uh, some of them are still playing even now so um yeah i think it, like you said it was, it was definitely a perfect fit for you at the time
0: yeah exactly
1: um and you you talk about your your fitness journey um you've moved into to CrossFit. Um, you've found this love and you've found a mentor in Taryn. Can you tell me a little bit more about her and I guess how she played a, a role in your life?
0: Yeah, so Taryn was um, the lady that owned CrossFit Burley and she was the it's kind of like the only gym around there that I knew that was doing CrossFit. Got invited there for my first session. Sort of fell in love with it. Um, but kind of at the time, she was only new and I had a two-week trial. So I kind of did the two weeks there, went every day and then... Being on kind of a a budget with work and that, I kind of said, oh, I can't really uh, afford to do this. So I didn't really go back um, for about a month and I kind of took what I learned and tried to do it myself. Mm. But then all of a sudden, I was kind of like, nah, I really enjoyed the class. So I went back in and said, you know, I don't really have, I can't really afford the classes. Um, We're on a tight budget. We're just probably, I don't know if it was around it was before we had children, but we still had a tight budget and we're just like, ah, we can't really afford it. So I ended up just asking her, is there anything that I can do to be able to come and do the classes, but to help you out. And um, she pretty much came up with a plan that I would clean the gym on a Saturday. um, And then I can attend the classes that I want during the week. So it doesn't matter when on a Saturday after the last class, She had this massive list. (laughs) It would take me, so it was was probably two or three pages long. Because she was, she was just a clean freak, Um, and you know, I used to have these wire brushes cleaning barbells, scraping everything down, and I would spend two or three hours there cleaning the gym, Um, purely because you know, it was that was what she wanted me to do, and then it was also giving me in return teaching me how to do CrossFit but then she mentored me in how to coach. So then after I had done that for a few months, I started taking her coaching um, program that she was doing with a few other people in the gym and I jumped on board. And then I would have been a couple of months into doing that where she felt I was confident enough to be able to uh, teach a class while she was watching. So my very first class, like I was not very good at all, just not confident because I'm from a I'm from a laborer's background where I know, you know, I'll dig a hole all day, I'll keep working. I'll just do that. Put my head down, don't like to talk to anybody, just do my hours, get my money and go home. And that's all I had. I didn't like to talk to people, I just like to work. And um this was different. I had to like talk to people. I had to be loud. I had to be helpful, be caring. So it took me a little bit to be able to get out of my shell. Um But then once I started to pick everything up, I kind of just ended up moving into the role and um, yeah, I used to coach the classes without her there, sort of learn everything I needed to do. And then from that experience, I ended up, um, because as a CrossFit coach, you can only get a few hours and it's not much money. So I used to hop around and I used to do about three or four gyms at once during the week. So I would coach, you know, three hours this gym and then I'd... Uh, maybe at night time I'd travel to another one and i will do three hours coaching there. And it was just paid by the hour, you know. Um, So I was trying to get as much hours as I could. And then um, from there, it just led into all of the other work that I um, ended up coming across. And
1: is that where you got the inspiration to, uh, to start your own gym at that point? Or was that a little bit later on?
0: Yeah, it was a little bit later on. So I actually... Ended up, while I was working for CrossFit Burley, I needed a full-time job that I wanted to be able to just completely coach and manage and do that. Never had any management skills, just knew how to coach um, and clean a gym pretty much. (laughs) And uh, so uh, I ended up just looking in the paper trying to find these gyms and I searched for ages and ages and this gym came up, it was called RBT and um, they were looking for a manager and I'd never done management before. I just knew how to run a really good program, knew how to train people. So I was like, oh, I'm just going to apply for this, say that I've done management roles before, put all this fo- all this stuff in my resume, hadn't done it before, and just went for the interview. Um, so I got the interview, went in, pretty much gave him my spiel. Um, this is what I do, what I've done. Uh, and then I think they, were made, they might have been desperate looking for somebody. Um, <laughs> so then they ended up giving me the management role. And I was pretty much running the whole gym while the guy lived in Melbourne. Yeah, there so I went into the gym not really having a plan they already had a lady there they hired her as a 2IC but she wasn't good enough to be the manager so then I was already in control of a staff um, and all he said was I'll bring you the people you just got to keep them um, <laughs> oh, nice. so yeah, well, yeah. everything that I had learned from church all the roles that I have done in church was I just put that in to running a gym. And from there, it was all trial and error. You know, if this didn't work, then I would try this. And then if that didn't work, I would try something else. And it probably took me about a year. And I finally figured out a system where, you know, I could keep people in. And then I could give them so much help and so much care that they would never leave the gym. So I was there for about three and a half, four years. And then eventually that gym, he had to liquidate because he had about 10. So uh-huh. he kind of went yeah, under yeah, us. Well. So he gave me a call one day and said, oh, um, we need to close the gym on Friday. This was like the Monday. Um, so from that point, I was kind of like, oh, well, can I take the gym? Can I buy it? And then <laughs> no no way. Way.
3: <laughs> it, wow.
0: it, it sort of just fell into place and um, because it was getting liquidated I ended up buying the gym for really cheap plus with and it came with you know the hundred members that's crazy but those hundred members I have I had already done all the work to be able to get them there and to keep them there for three years so it was I always believe that when you're given a role you treat that role like it's your own like that gym I, uh, I was treating that like I was the owner of that gym even though I wasn't the owner and i had the best job in the world before i was um not making much money but it was the best lifestyle and it was yeah. i was I, I classed myself as very lucky in the role that i had and then i had two other staff with me as well and i was like i always tell them you know this is the greatest job in the world like no one else can just work one hour here you do teach that class for an hour and then we have the free day like, yeah. it's impossible. People dream of this. So it's like, you know, but someday it's going to end. Like, uh, this, he's paying three of us here. He's not making any money. He's just breaking even. So, that, you know, someday this might end. And I don't know if they believed me or not, but, you know, I had the thought in my mind where I'm planning ahead already. So we actually signed another gym that was in Southport, which is CrossFit Urban. So the week before this all happened, our we had signed and signed up for um, to take over a gym, and because it was twenty, it had to be twenty k's away from the previous gym, because you know he gave me an opportunity, so I didn't want to go and be like, "Hey, I'm going to take all his members off." Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I was doing the right thing. I was like, "This is twenty k's away. This is part of the contract." I didn't tell him I was buying the gym. Um, I just said, I, "I just went and was going to do it, and then I'd give him the month to notice." Um, but then on that same on that same week he said hey i need to talk to you can i give you a call tomorrow and then i didn't hand my resignation it was pretty much about to click the button when i sent that seen that message and then he said um hey we're going to close the gym so i i could already feel it coming that i needed to do something else because some you know that dream job wasn't going to be there forever so you know i had my hand already moving and then when that one came, I had two business partners that were going to come in with us to do this, just the Southport gym. We we're going to have four of us there, which is our teammates now for um, the games. So then the teammate, one of our teammates said, he goes, well, why don't we just take over both gyms? Because we only thought we were going to take over the Southport gym. Um, and he just goes, why don't we take over both? So in the matter of two weeks, we pretty much had two gyms um and it was just sort of thrown upon us and again trial and error how do you how do you keep it you just figure it out and then you just make it better
1: man from a from a kid with wire brushes just cleaning you know a crossroad gym with into that, yeah. yeah into you know looking at an opportunity to get you know two gyms on your own man i, I just think of the the words of uh, jay-z i'm not a businessman." I'm a business man and that's (laughs) what you you've done you know you're not just being a businessman you've become the business you know what I mean and how long have you had the the gyms now so it's about two and a half years um
0: at the moment we're running it so nice
1: and I know there's a, a story about your your mentor you know looking after you um is that something that you do for your members as well for those that that need help
0: yeah definitely so um I try and help as many people who wanna who want to learn. Um, so if they aspirations to be a coach, um, we started like a mentor program where if you wanted to be a coach, come in. We wrote this program for you. We would teach you everything you need to know, and then you end up doing a course at the end. Um, we had a couple people start that, but then obviously they didn't fall. They didn't finish in the end. Um, yeah, yeah. And we were doing that to look for to help people, but then to also have trainers that we can have in the gym. So you know we can give them some hours if they're looking for a new lease on life um but then also you go off the 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 care factor as well you know training for people can be very relaxing um takes your mind off everything, and it's a space where people come to be able to get out of the day day the day to day life what they're living mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you know if someone comes to me and they say You know, they've been there for a while, and they lost their job, and they're like, "I really love this place, you know, but I can't afford it." You know, I'm the kind of person. It's like, all right, well, how can we make this happen? How can we can keep you coming in? If it's like, hey, I might be four weeks out of work, um, so I'll put a membership, I'll put a hold on my membership, and then I won't come for four weeks. But to me, it's like, you know, that's a piece of their life that they're missing, and I still want them Mm -hmm. to be able to be joyful while they're going through hard times. So. I'm pretty i like money's not everything in the world it's about helping people so I'm happy for you to go on four weeks hold and then come to the gym and still train you know if I can help you out it's going to pay back down the track um, mm, you don't yeah, you don't look okay. for that but obviously if you're nice to people it's going to help you down the end
1: yeah and there's definitely a, a balance you're, you're still a business you still need to pay bills and that kind of stuff but like you said where there's opportunities and you see genuine people um, like, you know, you see a little bit of yourself in that person, Yeah, uh, it definitely will come, come pay itself on the end. So that's awesome, man. Definitely. Um, when we talk about, uh, your wife, when I first met her, she was, she wasn't the, the training type, she was a hairdresser and she'd kind of just, you know, um, you know, help around the house and, you know, just chill, chill back at home. Um, but now she's a well-oiled machine, just like yourself. How, I guess, how did that come about?
0: So it pretty much she hated training she didn't like to do anything um and then yeah so once she had our kids um she pretty much went into started to do stuff just to try and lose the weight um but that at that time i was only just learning crossfit so i was addicted to it like i was into it and my my plan was and i even told her that at the time it's like I'm going to do this and get really good at it to make myself a name so we can open a gym. Because you could be the best trainer in the world, but no one knows about you. So I was running boot camps previous before the CrossFit and all that. And I was running boot camps and I would only get a few people to come in. So my thought was like, man, how do I get people to come and see me? How do I get people to know me? Like no one knows me as a personal trainer. They just... There's only a few people my family know me, a few friends. So then at that time I was like, you know, I found the sport CrossFit, so I'm going to do the best I can at this, make a name for myself, use that name as a brand to be able to start to get people interested knowing my name so then they would come to my gym. Um and then cuz I was spending so much time like I would spend, you know, 5-6 hours a day training, so I would do like you know, I would, I would I'd stay at the gym after I'd coach and I would train. I would go home where I'd built my own gym in my house and then I would train. And it was just purely to get better and better. So there was one point she was like, you know, this is too much. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, you don't do anything else but train. I told her the whole story of what the plan was, but she didn't care. She's like, just come and watch the kids. Uh, so then at that point I was like, I'm going to do this. You know, if you want to spend time with me, you have to come and do this too. So it, it kind of, she started slowly getting into it. We would have fight a lot, <laughs> just not good. And then um, it sort of just flipped the switch. You know, I would train up late at night, so then she would come out she would start training. And she had no training background. It was just, you know, family genetics is what she has because, you know, explosive power, endurance. They had kind of all of the, the speed, all the, all the skills, but she just needed to work hard. And then because I had experienced... Um, I was already a few years in i had pretty much done all the training and done all the trials myself so when she came to start i already knew not to do this not to teach her that teach her this teach her that so she had a really fast progression more than others because she would spend six hours a day training with me yeah
1: mm. gotcha.
0: and then yeah pretty much just taught her what she needed to do get her stronger in areas and yeah now she's a gun
1: uh. That's crazy. <laughs> I'm just the guide.
0: When, I, I was just the guide, you know. She had to put the hard work in and do it. She had to deal with hmm. the the times of me telling her, you know, hurry up, you know, you got to do this, do that. Um, but yeah, she she just digs deep and she just does it.
1: And was it just you got you, you know, you and your wife training, um, and you building that, like you said, that brand um, for yourself and your family, um, that led you guys to. Competing to CrossFit or was it just, were you meant to do it on your own and do a solo um, sort of career or how how did it all happen?
0: Yeah, so straight from the get-go, it was solo, like um, all I wanted to do, I had a vision board, I set a vision board up as a, when I was a couple years in, Um, I put a vision board there, I had like a CrossFit game sign, I had um, like a, where I would speak to people, so I had a pulpit, I would speak to all these people, I had... um, (laughs) What else did I ha- I had a gym on there. So these were all the things that I wanted in life and CrossFit Games was on there. And as an individual, I wanted nothing else but to get to that stage. Um, as you get in life, you get more busier, you get busier. Mm-hmm. If you really want to make the CrossFit Games, you have to dedicate most of your day to training, recovery, sleep, all that sort of stuff. And I just had too much going on. Children, um, trying to work. So... I tried the best I could um, to be able to make it, but in the end, it's like, it probably was never going to happen with the state, how my life was going. Um, so then when we had the option to be teams last year, um, it was just a perfect fit for all of us, all four of us to come together. And tell us about that experience
1: uh, about making it to the crossfit games because that is you know the elite of the elite is that something um you have to qualify for did you have to do you know a few australian competitions to be able to place and then make your way there how did that all work
0: yeah so there's three stages to get there stages start first stage starts in february which is called the crossfit open and this is a worldwide event so our, our area is the oceania area which is australia and new zealand um so from that there's a there's 900 people who get to move on to the second stage. Wow. um So how many you, stats, So
1: there's 900 that move through. How many roughly do you reckon are all in?
0: Oh, in Australia there was probably maybe a hundred thousand under that. Oh. oh, just in Australia? Yeah. There's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's about 400,000 worldwide who did it wow. so we'll probably between really? that 50 to 80,000 mark just in Australia and New Zealand yeah. yeah um yeah so for me I think that was my best year I came 12th in that first bit um and then the second stage you have to move on you have to do another online qualifier which then um you move on to a live event so the online qualifier, if you place in the top 30 in Australia and New Zealand as an individual, that means you move on to the live event. Um, but because we went team, we also had a team's workout that we had to do to qualify to be able to make that to the live event for the team section. So from the teams, we came fifth, uh, I think I think we came fourth in the it's just a combined score on it. So from the open for a team, it's a combined score individual. And then the next stage is you do three or four workouts as a team, and then that gets put on the leaderboard, and then the top uh, 50 teams from that get to go to the live event. So I think we came fourth leading into the live event, and then at the live event, we, which is in Brisbane, um, we ended up tying first with the New Zealand team. Shocks. So yeah, then from that stage we move on to the uh, yeah CrossFit Games.
1: Man. and was the goal to finish you know uh, you guys finished at 7th in the world what was the goal to finish top 10 or was the goal to um you know i know you know best outcome is to come first but um you know you've got some really like big um veterans in there uh, what were the what was the mindset what was the goal what were what was going for you guys mind
0: so our goal, main goal was to win the brisbane live event um in front of uno you know, our home gyms and all of that yeah. so we tied but we ended up coming second because of a countback. back um, so I, I put like we put all our effort into that and then just making it to the games we were just like oh we're happy I was out of 40 teams you know we're happy to come mid pack so like 20th because mm-hmm. um, we once you if you don't make it to the next level you never under, you don't understand what it takes to be able to compete yep. at that level so mm-hmm. you know our first experience there we were just like 20th we're happy with that and then when we actually got there and we were competing we were just looking around like you know we are one of these top teams here and we kept going back and forth over the week over the weekend um just surprising ourselves and it was kind of like a roller coaster because we're coming second we're coming fourth and then we're coming eighth and then you know we could have been there's never been an australian team to podium so come first second or third at the CrossFit Games in a team. So we started to feel that, like we wanted to do that, and then we may have put a bit of pressure on ourselves. Yeah. So, I mean, seventh for our first year, you know, we're stoked with that. Um, But we are definitely aiming to make it back there next year and become one of those one, like, first, second or third spots.
1: That's crazy. Only because I've only just become a, a... I've always been a CrossFit fan just watching the individuals, but then seeing you guys in the teams and the events that you guys have. Oh it's just crazy. Like for yourself, did you get um did you get nervous or did you get starstruck by seeing any like particular um like people? I know for myself, Tia me you know, she's a proud Aussie and she's the fittest woman on earth that's been around for, you know, how many consecutive years, you know? Did you get nervous or get starstruck at
0: all? Never get nervous. Just because I've been doing it for so long, I'm just like eager to challenge myself. You, you, I always say that's where that hard work pays off. I, when I was previously doing it in uh, other competitions, you know, I would always die over the line. It would always be laying on my back at the end because it was so hard. Just meaning that I hadn't done enough work in training to be able to perform on the day. So that changed my mindset way back then to be able to be like. Um I want to when I cross that finish line, I want to be able to stand up and I want to wave to people and I want to say hello and go and cheer people on so that that pushed me to be better um so then when we got when we get to these events, you can you enjoy the moment like that's all the training you've done instead of like not being prepared enough and just laying on the ground feeling like you know I didn't accomplish anything. Um, but meeting those people, I had, I've had i met a couple of them before, but they're all just really down to earth. Um, like we do a little walkout and Tia, Tia, Tia Kletumi, um walks out in the Australian group with us and yeah. just like talks to you the whole time, genuine person, really nice, um, would answer any questions, want to know, you know, what's happening at home because she obviously lives in the States. And then also like Rich Froning and stuff, we were competing next to them um, a few times and just real down to earth, they love to have a chat, love to like um, even encourage you to say, man, how did you do that with one of those workouts? Like that was amazing. Just to get those sort of compliments, it's like, you know, these people are just people yeah. as well.
1: Mm. That's awesome to see because you, you don't know if it's uh, like don't talk to them, they're the enemy type thing or <laughs> is it like, a you know, we're all good, we're all here to be the best that we can be, you know what I mean? So it's good that it's the latter, you know? Yeah, we
0: we still want to beat them, but then oh, at the at the end of the day, you know, when the workout's on, you're in it. But at the end of the day, we're just we're a team, so it's it's a little bit more relaxed than it is for an individual. If you walk in the individual training area, no one's talking to anybody. Everyone's got their head down, listening to their coach. No one says a word. Um, but in the team section, it's a bit more relaxed. So we talk to everybody, and we're still very serious, but it's just. there's four of us it goes on four of you it's not just yourself you don't have that much pressure
1: and i know you and your wife um but also the other two they're a husband and wife couple as well yeah yep it's um that's a massive achievement if you look at all the other teams you kind of pick the best males and the best females and you're like you know you train for these specific things um but for you guys having two married couples um did you feel that it was an advantage for you guys because of the way that you work together and you kind of knew each other the way you can work off each other
0: yeah we we just gel really good um so training wise we get each other and because those are our training partners so jaylee's my training partner and then johan and caitlin they train together all the time so when we pair up for the events where you have to do male female, you know we just sync completely together straight away. We don't really have to practice much. We don't really have to talk. We can kind of just look and see what's happening, um, just because we're pretty much together all the time each day. Uh, so we know everyone's strengths and weaknesses. We know what they uh, what they can do, how far they can push themselves. Um, so it kind of just gels really well. And next year's games is that something that you guys are looking forward to or yeah definitely we've um we've had a bit of setbacks at the moment a few injuries um i had just an elbow surgery about a month ago three weeks ago so still been training just working around it but not back into full training um jaylee's got a few injuries that she needs to get sorted um and then yeah by january we should be back into really solid training and then it just we prep and get ready to head back for our first competition, which will be the February one. And then you just make the stages from there. That's crazy, man. You've, you've got two
1: gyms, you're competing with the best in the world. You're preparing for the one next year. Um, and you decide to have your own clothing line on top of that. Um, uh, and you're looking at bringing out other products in the future. Tell tell us, I guess your mindset, um, around, you know, starting these businesses and I guess how they all, you know, how does it expand from just, you know, just being a gym owner?
0: Well, I don't like to be the middleman. So, you know, if I'm buying a product of somebody, like if I'm buying a pair of shorts, I want to know where those shorts come from. I want to know how they're made. I want to know how that person is doing it and I can't do it. Mm -hmm. And I, I want to be that person. So then I go away and I research it. Like, how do I make those shorts? How do I how how do I do what they're doing? Because if they did it, surely I can do it, and that's where it sort of all come from. Any ideas? I love just to keep moving forward with with ideas and coming up with things that challenge me. Like at the moment, trying to create, tri- we're trying to bring off the the Bill Athletic brand, but you know you have some setbacks. It's costing money that we're not making, but in the end, it's like at least we're trying. If we didn't try, we'll never know, and that's kind of our saying. You know, if we don't, if we don't try, we'll never know if we, we'll, if it would ever happen. And that's all I go off. Doesn't matter how much it costs, I'll find the money to, to to start it, and then it's trial and error. If you don't dip your toes in, you know, you're never going to get wet. So, um, hopefully, you know, we just back it, and then bringing in the family members to be able to help fund it and then be a part of it, it's creating, it's bringing them into a different life, into business mm-hmm. as well. Um, so everything we pretty much do, we bring in somebody else with us. And it's not purely to fund it, it's purely to be like, you can do this, I'm doing it, come with me, we'll do it together and then we'll grow it and then we'll help others do the same. Like. Our ultimate goal is not to have lots of money, obviously you need money, but the goal is to be able to give people the opportunity that I never had as a kid and teach them that you don't have to go and work in a factory, you know, you don't have to be the, listen to somebody every day and go work 9 to 5 or 6 to 6, you can do what you want to do and it's kind of like a new era in life now, like this new generation of entrepreneurs where you can create whatever you want you don't need to go get a degree so why don't you get out there and just try it Mm.
1: and that's the platform i guess we're, we're trying to make now um and just let people know you know there are some awesome things happening um in our community and the people that we know um and you know do your honest work but what are other opportunities if you have dreams and goals go for it um you know look at you know the stuff that you and your family are doing um on top of everything that I've spoken about, um, you, you guys have started your own podcast as well?
0: Yep. Um, so just another avenue we want to share our experiences, but then we also want to teach as well. Um, so we've got a lot of knowledge, obviously to do with CrossFit, um, a bit of business knowledge. Most of the time, we don't really know too much about business. We just have a go. Um, and that's all... You learn the stuff as you go. You know, you make a st- you make a mistake with your tax. It's like, oh, well, I learned that lesson. I won't do that next time. Um, but at the end of the day, you'll figure it out. If there's a problem, you know, you'll figure it out. It's all about solving those problems.
1: Man, I think all you need to do now is make a rap song, and then, and you then you'll be on, on par with the rap. rock. <laughs> like (laughs) everything else like you are so busy but you're getting things done you know what I mean Um, awesome Um, some quick questions Uh, Moss do you want to go through some of our our rapid fire questions or actually are there any uh, anything that you want to talk about um, or any topics you want to cover Adam in general
0: no I think um, yeah that's a fair bit of it
1: Uh, For me, the the only other question I had, and I'll I'll let the boys ask if they have any other uh, last questions, is how do you find motivation? Um, So many people, you know, they start, they're like fully keen, they want to work out, they want to lose weight, they want to do start a business, whatever it is, and it drops off. What keeps you motivated and how do you keep going?
0: When I was working just a normal job, I was not motivated to go to that job because it wasn't mine and -hmm. I couldn't progress further. I had a paycheck and I would always get the paid the same. It's not until... I was still motivated to do other things. Um, But now, you know, the kind of buck stops at me and my wife and then our business partners. You know, if nothing gets done, you won't progress. So, you know, when that line goes up at 4.30 in the morning and you have to get to the gym by 5.30 to teach that class, you know, you don't hesitate getting up because you know if you don't go, your business doesn't run. So... That just keeps me keeps me going. It's all about the progression. If I can keep progressing, then I'm always going to be motivated.
3: So, yeah, thank you for that. I don't have any questions, but just, you know, a couple of things that I've got from this interview is first, accessibility. You make things real for people rather than kind of, being this and you've done so much but with your podcast and with the things that you you do have on your your socials and just talking to you now just everything's accessible which is really good and it's really needed for like people like us or anybody listening to this that they know they, they can do it the second one just vision i think a lot of the time we can be kind of blinkers on and we just need to do what we need to do but you know what comes after looking at something that you can direct ourselves towards is really, really important. So, no, thank you for your time, Adam. I've got no questions for you.
2: Yeah, nothing, nothing too much from me as well, Adam. Again, amazing story. Again, because I was listening to, to your podcast as well and some of the things um, that we didn't cover was, you know, after, you know, wanting to, to play NRL when you are young and injury after injury, and then that's how you got into CrossFit and things like that as well. And uh, another thing as well is that, you know, during in between that time, you actually qualified carpenter. You know, so to go through four years of that, you know, qualified, but you knew that time wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't how you wanted to spend your time with your wife and your young family. So, again, as T was saying, to be where you are now with two teams, you know, CrossFit Games Under Your Belt podcasts and now, you know, apparel soon to come out and now even testing a, a potential um Apologies if I get it wrong, like a, a amino drink, you know, um, looking into that. No, I just think it's it's crazy, very admirable, and I know that it will, you know, someone out there listening to this, um, you've probably, or most probably inspired them a lot. So, yeah, man, thanks for coming on.
0: No worries, thank you.
2: Man, sorry, it's just taken a while to load.
3: Just freestyle the questions, you'll be right, Moss. I-, I trust you, man.
1: <laughs> Fali will do burpees until you uh, until you get them up. Oh, no.
3: You better, you better hurry up, man. You better
2: hurry. Up, uh, are you ready? Yeah. So first question: When was the last hiding or the last time you got told off by your mum?
0: Oh, that was probably when I was 15. So I'm 34 now. <laughs> hey. what a good kid what a say, My best kid best kid it came in um, it, it ended up going the way of like you know when she tried to give you get the egg flip out and hit you and she hit you and it was like "Mom doesn't hurt anymore <laughs> <laughs> she's like I'm not gonna try anymore I'm a bit too, a bit too old now it doesn't work
2: <laughs> yeah. what did she ever get the cricket bat hit it and then it just broke on your biceps oh, like... <laughs> she never went that far <laughs> Um, All right, so even uh, you mentioned before you grew up with a lot of Polynesians and things like that around Ipswich, Logan. Um, Surely they would have brought you over for lunch. So, what's your favorite island dish if you have one?
0: Oh, favorite island dish. Moldy? Moldy dish. Uh, They only ever make boil up Moldy. Boil yeah, right.
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. No, oh, no, no. up, boys
3: fried bread oh
2: yeah
0: my well, they always call it, i think what do they call it it's the poor man's food because back in the day they just <laughs> only got the bones yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and now yeah. Wait, wait. And, and now in this in this house they're like oh, we don't have that we just get the real meat <laughs> <laughs> so probably boil up is a is a is a good one um
2: no, no, I'm done with that uh, What's your jam, Adam That makes you act like Your crazy auntie Or your crazy
0: uncle At the party? Oh I don't really listen to music um, Too much
1: Even like if you work out There's no like Pump up jam That you like
0: I really get Oh, so probably back in I like um, Eight Mile song um, Oh, yeah Eminem's uh, uh, Eight Mile um, Whenever that one comes on It kind of can Just If it's mid-workout It's like you get this extra boost
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I know you don't really listen to music now, but um, what was the first album you ever bought?
0: I didn't actually buy any. Um, I had lots of Asian friends, so they would just always burn me.
2: Oh, <laughs> 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 well, which one did you download learn off Napsk or first? Nah.
0: <laughs> I didn't know how to use a computer. And growing up, we never had a computer or the internet. So I would rely oh, yeah, on my, yeah. my friends to be able to like burn me CDs of random songs. Um, most of the time, the they, was, they were just into um, lots of slow jams. Yo. So, hey, um, oh, can't and, go wrong with slow jams. R. Kelly was a bit, um, Casey yeah, and yeah. Jojo, those sort of guys. Yeah,
2: 100, 100. Nice. All right, so um, someone listens to your podcast, decides to make a movie. Who's playing you? Who's playing me?
0: John Cena. John oh, Cena, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see it, I can see I it. I see it. I got <laughs> I that, at the, I actually it. got that at the airport when we were in the States. Yeah. I was walking through and then, then the security guard goes, hey, you look like John Cena. Oh,
2: so, I <laughs> know. I'll no, I, I can see, I can <laughs> see it, <bro. laughs> All right, and Adam, lastly, tell us something that helps you kick back, stay ready and look sharp.
0: Oh, Kick back. Oh, look sharp. Definitely the look sharp is my wife cutting my hair. Oh, oh, nice. So it's pretty good. She cuts it. I, uh, I don't like sitting in there, but once every three months. I wanted to get it cut at, like once every three weeks, but uh, she says, no, nah, you can just wait. <laughs> 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 always look sharp he... and fresh after that. Yeah, I think two to three weeks is always good rotation yeah she doesn't want to do it so it's like once every two months <laughs> <laughs> alrighty, alrighty. Well, well um yeah, yeah awesome, awesome. Thank, thank you so, for, so, so much for coming stuff. on Adam